being lost is not irredeemable. Being lost, as Scripture says it, is you're in the wrong place. You're just not where God had intended you to be. And when God reaches out and calls us, He's wanting to shift us from where we are to where He wants us to be. Has your marriage been shattered by sexual betrayal? Are you wondering if it's possible to save your marriage? Or even if you want to? Your story matters, and there is hope for your marriage through Christ Jesus. Welcome to Beyond Broken Vows podcast. I'm Johnny. I'm Emily. And friends, we've been where you are. Our marriage vows were shattered by adultery fueled by pornography. But through a commitment to recovery, our faith in God, and our hope for redemption, we set out on a journey of healing. Now our marriage is better than we ever could have imagined, and we give God all the glory. On our show, we'll talk through difficult topics, infidelity, porn addiction, recovery, and more. So if you're ready to move from pain-filled todays into hope-filled tomorrows, grab your favorite beverage and spend a little time with us. Marriage is redeemed. Hearts renewed. On Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Beyond Broken Vows podcast. And Merry Christmas. Yes, Merry Christmas, y'all. We are so excited to be doing a show for Christmas, and we hope that you can celebrate the birth of Christ in a very special way this year, even if you are going through a painful season. So it's not missed on me that this is episode 33, Yes, and we get to do the Christmas special today. And I've been looking forward to doing this because I love to tell the Jesus story. I love to tell the story of Christmas and how that impacts me. Somehow it always chokes me a little, brings a little tear to my eye, makes me feel warm, but it's always just a good story if you recenter me, and I love telling it. Yes, in episode 33, wow, when I realized that, it brought some tears to my eyes because we will be talking about not only the birth of Christ today, but the redemption that comes through Christ. And he was 33 years old when he gave his life for us. But before we get going, we're going to go ahead and read a review. Yes, Emily, today we have a review that comes from AMC1007. It's titled Helpful and Insightful, and it reads, Johnny and Emily keep things real. They provide incredible direction when it comes to the most difficult situations. Thank you so much for that review, AMC1007. We really appreciate the vote of confidence when it comes to giving direction in these difficult situations that we talk about. We know that people struggle with infidelity and porn addiction and other things that can break a marriage. And it's really hard to get through that on your own. So Johnny and I are just so glad to be able to talk about our situation publicly so that it can bring some hope to someone else. Yes. It's so good to know that we're connecting with our audience, and these reviews really help us to know that we are hitting the spots that they want to hear from us. Yes, and friends, we invite you to work with us to help you navigate the intricate challenges of your broken marriage. Our coaching program is designed to help you uncover God's intended path for both you and your spouse. Let's work together toward healing and restoration, setting the stage for a marriage that's way beyond what you thought possible. So head on over right now to coaching.beyondbrokenvows.com. We would love to walk through this with you. That's coaching.beyondbrokenvows.com. Now, before you got married, you had in your head an idea of what you wanted your marriage to look like. You had all kinds of hopes and dreams, and they were all good, positive things. And you made plans according to this picture in your mind. 
I did that too. But things didn't go exactly as planned. No, Emily, in fact, this is not the first time that this story has played out. God made plans for how he wanted his relationship with mankind to look. Right. Men, God intended for us to have a work to do, a woman to love, and a will to obey. And women, God created us to be a perfect helper for our mate. So important to God that he uses the same word helper in the New Testament when describing Holy Spirit. And God planned for us to walk daily with him in the garden and for us to be naked before each other and not be ashamed. That's a spiritual and emotional nakedness where we don't have anything between each other. And this form of nakedness is what we refer to today as true intimacy. But things didn't go exactly as planned. That's because he also gave us free will. When we chose our own way, sin, pain, and death were the result. Then God introduced a new plan to bring us back to himself. You've probably heard the Christmas story from Luke many times. Well, today we're going to go through not only this incredible story, but also the plan of redemption that comes through Jesus Christ for all who would believe, our Savior, our Redeemer, and our Lord. Johnny, would you go ahead and pray before we dive into this amazing story of redemption? Yes, I will. Thank you so much. Father, thank you that we get to tell this story. It's always exciting for us to read your word and tell your story of redemption to those that want to hear and those who need to hear. And for all those who are listening, we pray, Lord, that it would just sink in deep, that it would hit all the right places, and that by your Holy Spirit, you would carry this message right to the very center of who we are so that we can hear you and respond to you because of your great gift to us through your son, Jesus. And it is in his holy name, his precious name, that we come to you now. Amen. Amen. So, Emily, we just touched a little bit on the beginning of man and creation, what God intended for us as far as what our life was supposed to look like through his view, walking with them in the garden in the cool of the day, Mm -hmm. working the land, spending time with God just Mm one-on-one. What an amazing thing that would have been to experience. We try to experience that through our own personal prayer time and time that we spend with God through our devotionals and things like that. And sometimes I know that we can feel the presence of God and feel as though we are in his presence, but I don't think it's the same as what he intended when Adam and Eve walked with him every day in the garden and talked with him. I agree. I I can't imagine what his plan really was. We'll find out someday whenever we're in heaven. But yeah, speaking of So we're going to start telling the redemption story starting in the book of Isaiah. Emily, will you start us off with that one? Yes, that's Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. It says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Such a great passage, Emily. It tells us that a child is coming, that a child will be born, and he will be magnificent, strong, and he will be complete. 
he will be complete in the sense that he will be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and a prince of peace, and talks about how he will impact government and the establishing of things that are good and right. But as I see that very last sentence, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. It's going to take that kind of zeal because those words were written 400 years before the birth of Christ. Yes, that's a very long time to keep those words down through generations for that hope. Right. Could you imagine trying to hold on to hope for 400 years? Mm -mm. It's hard to hold on to hope for four days sometimes. (laughs) Yes. You couldn't be more right. Yeah. The next stop in our journey for today comes through Matthew uh, chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. And this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And what is the meaning of the name Jesus? Right, because it says in that passage specifically, the angel told him to give him the name Jesus. And as we know, angels are messengers. They say what God tells them to say. So God told the angel to tell Joseph, give him the name Jesus. Jesus is the Greek form of the name Joshua. And Joshua from Hebrew means God saves. Wow. So Jesus is God saves and Emmanuel is God with us. That's right. So the two names in there come together and say, God is with us and God saves us. So Emily, another part that was in there that we can easily read over very quickly when we read the story is that she was found to be pregnant by somebody that was not Joseph. Right. And Joseph's response to that tells us that he thought that she had been unfaithful. The angel assured him that it was okay for him to take Mary as his wife. Right. I felt that that was a very connective way for God to speak through the angel to tell him, first of all, don't be afraid. Second of all, what is conceived inside Mary is from the Holy Spirit. Okay, so on to the story of Christmas as told through Luke, right? Yes. Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 20 outlines the story of Jesus' birth. And it starts with this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger 
because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Wow, so much going on there. Yes. But one thing that pops up to my mind, how long did it take them to go from Nazareth down to Bethlehem, I wonder? Well, I don't know, but I'm sure it took several days at least. They also had a donkey that probably slowed them down a little bit. And I'm sure that Mary, being so pregnant, probably needed to stop and rest very often. Yep. Got to make a pit stop. (laughs) Okay. So here it is. According to the internet, it's about 93 miles or 150 kilometers for those of you listening outside the United States. It would take us driving in a car about three hours to go that distance, but it's about a four-day walk. Wow. A four-day walk being very, very pregnant. Yeah. On the back of a donkey? Yes. Or walking even some of the time, I'm sure. Poor girl. (laughs) Yeah. I remember taking a long trip driving to uh, Tucson, Arizona, and you were pregnant with our firstborn. Yes, I remember. And we had a long drive and we hit some bumpy roads and I remember you not being very comfortable. No, and I needed to use the restroom when there wasn't one in sight. (laughs) (laughs) But we won't talk about how we resolved that little dilemma. (laughs) Right, and I'm sure that our car was way more comfortable than the back of a donkey. Oh, yeah. So that was just one of the hardships that they suffered, even though she was chosen to be the mother of the Savior of the world. Yes. It didn't mean that she had it all smooth sailing. No, it certainly didn't. Another thing that strikes me through that whole passage and the one that we read before is God doing extraordinary things through ordinary people. Yes. I really have this understanding through what I've been taught that Mary's somewhere around 14, 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, probably fairly ordinary in her life, and her life really hasn't even begun yet. But we see that all through the Bible, don't we? We do. Just ordinary people and very fallible people, too. And God ends up using them mightily. Mm -hmm. And Joseph, Joseph is a carpenter. And after the original story here, Scripture doesn't really say anything else about him. But he responded in obedience to God after the angel talked to him and said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And he did it. That's pretty extraordinary. And also, 
We know he probably continued to be a carpenter because Jesus was a carpenter, and I'm sure he learned that trade from his dad. Yes, absolutely. And then there's the shepherds. You don't get a whole lot more ordinary than shepherds out in their fields at night. Right. And they were the ones chosen to give this incredible news to the world. Yes. I love that. I love the way God does that. It helps us to remember that we don't have to be super extraordinary, conquering the world for Jesus kind of people. For God to interact and do amazing things through us, too, if we make the choice to be obedient. Yes, that's the key. Obedience to God, and he can do mighty things through us. Right. So the next part of the redemption story is, why did Jesus come to save? Well, let's hear it from his own words from Luke 19.10, where Jesus himself says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That is good news. It is good news. And it reminds me of when we're talking about recovering from addiction and recovering from infidelity. We defined it uh, a few episodes back when we said that recovering is to regain what was lost, stolen, or given away. Oh, yes. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, and he came to seek and save what was lost. I do want to say one more thing about lost. Being lost is not irredeemable. Being lost, as Scripture says it, is you're in the wrong place. You're just not where God had intended you to be. Right. And when God reaches out and calls us, he's wanting to shift us from where we are to where he wants us to be. Oh, yeah. Amen. Okay, so we're going to skip ahead to the time of Jesus's ministry. He started his ministry on this earth at age 30, and he was making an incredible impact in people's lives. Yes, he was. He was seeking those who were lost, and he was healing those who were lame or blind or ill, and people were just clamoring to him for that special something that they probably couldn't put their finger on, but it was attracting them to him, and it was that pure love that he exuded, but that was becoming a problem for those in authority, wasn't it? Absolutely it was. They were starting to lose their foothold with the community. Yes. It reminds me of this political climate that we're in right now because we're coming up on an election next year. And there's this side and that side. And everybody's trying to get more people to follow them on their side. And, you know, Jesus wasn't political by any means, but those in authority were. And they did not like the fact that they might lose some power and fame and even money due to someone else getting the favor of the people. So the Jewish leaders were getting together to try to figure out what to do about this man called Jesus. And in John 11.50, we read the words from Caiaphas, the high priest that year. He says, You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. Yes, I find that very fascinating that out of the very mouths of those who are conspiring to take Jesus's life, that they actually prophesied the very message for which God sent Jesus to begin with, that it's better that one man should die than all of creation should suffer. That's pretty incredible, those prophecies and how they come true, showing the omniscience of God. Yeah, it absolutely shows that he's thinking their thoughts before they do. Yes, (laughs) it's fun. So then what's next, honey? So moving along our redemptive story, Jesus is now uh, being crucified on the cross. 
and they have already nailed his hands and his feet to the cross, and they've already hung the sign on the top where he's been accused of being the king of the Jews, which, again, out of their own mouths, in mocking him, they proclaim him as king. Yes. But Jesus is looking at them, and he knows that it's just about to be done. He's in anguish. He feels things are getting darker around him. And I can imagine at this point, Jesus is looking heavenward. And in Luke 23, verse 24, Jesus says these words, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And then in John 19:30, when he received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So Emily, what is finished? What did Jesus mean by that? He meant the plan of redemption was complete. Yeah, that's right. Imagine that. The plan of redemption is complete with the death. Yes. It's hard to figure. It is. It's very sobering. What a sacrifice, a total sacrifice, giving his life for the whole world. Yes. And it's a gift. That's what Christmas is really about. It's that gift that God gave the world through his son, Jesus, that anyone who would receive that gift would not perish, but have everlasting life with the Father. Amen. There's a ring of familiarity when we come to understand that we receive a gift through the unimaginable. As you and I have talked about on this show so many times, We get the gift of recovery one day at a time, and what we have received through our broken marriage, we call it a gift, even though it was so painful. We call it the unthinkable. Yes, the gift that we never wanted, but we didn't realize that it was something we needed, just like with Jesus. Most people don't want him in our world, and they don't realize that they need him. That's right. God gave us a plan. He executed the plan and completed the plan, not because we wanted it, because we needed that plan. Because God wanted us. Yes, that's exactly right. (laughs) And so, Johnny, that plan being accomplished, what does that mean for us now? That means that since Jesus spent the largest portion of his ministry not just healing folks, but he also spoke of repentance, he spoke of faith, he spoke of believing in him. Returning to the Father means having faith that God sent Jesus to begin with, and believing that is what gives you eternal life. That faith is what makes that possible. Our next stop in the redemptive journey is Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 8, and it reads, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
As you were going through that passage, Johnny, a few of those words jumped out at me because we come across those in our own recovery process. Tell me about what you found. Well, things that we talk about on our show, like grace and hope and perseverance and character, but also suffering and powerlessness. Right. And God knows all about that. That is very comforting to me. And how is that? Because I know that he knows how I feel. Yes. He knows exactly what I'm going through at any given moment. And he has the answer for it. So that gives me a lot of peace and a lot of comfort. I did hear some of those same words that you did as well. And they jumped out at me when I was reading this passage. But it's the part there at the very end when it says that God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Mm -hmm. We didn't have to do anything ahead of time. That's the whole point of grace and mercy. There isn't anything that we do ahead of time in order for this action to take place. We don't have to clean ourselves up. No, this was his plan. Mm -hmm. And no matter where our state of being is, whether we're being a generally good person or we're being an aberrant person, he's ready to enact this plan for everybody. Yes. We all fall short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter if we're being good or not good. We're all in the same boat. We need this Savior, Jesus. Amen. All right. Emily, what's our next stop? Well, that is in Revelation, which is at the end of the Bible. In Revelation chapter 3, verses 19 through 21, these are the words of Jesus as recorded by John. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. I really have come to love this particular passage as far as my own redemption from infidelity and coming out of addiction and into recovery. These words say that those that I love, I rebuke them and discipline them. I was rebuked and I was disciplined, but that lets me know that it was because of his love for me. Mm -hmm. He wanted me back. Like I said earlier, when I was lost, I wasn't lost because I was condemned. I was lost because I was in the wrong place. Right. And that place was not where he wanted me to be. And he wanted to move me to where he wants me to be, mm -hmm. which is with him. And you get there by repentance. Yes, that's right. That's right. And he stands at the door and he knocks. He's knocking on the door of all of our lives. And he's saying, will you open up the door? Will you respond? It sounds so easy, doesn't it? It does. Just to open that door up. Right. But like you talk about that 300-pound door to the recovery group room. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It can be a really hard thing for people to open the door to Jesus in their life because of the shame and the guilt that they feel since they have missed the mark. That's absolutely right. But then it promises us at the very end of that passage to the one who is victorious, the one who chooses recovery, the one who chooses to forgive. The one who opens that door. The one who opens that door. That's right. That I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. That's powerful. Yes. What a visual. Yeah. That reminds me that we are his children. We're children of the king. 
which means I guess we're a bunch of little princesses and princes running around. <laughs> and we're going to sit on his throne, and I think of it as being on his lap. That's right. the vision that I see. Sure, absolutely. Well, the next stop on our journey comes from Romans 10, 9, and 10, and it fills in the how we do this. And it reads, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And Hebrews 11.6 goes on to say, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. What a great couple of passages that is. It's like the plan is just written out step by step. It's like our coaching program where we take people step by step through this plan of redemption for their marriages. God has done this for mankind. Right. It's so simple if we would just do what he says. Right. So if we look at these last few verses that we read, God's standing at the door and he knocks. Will you let me in? You open it up. And he says, great, I'm so glad you're here. Come on in, right? And you make that profession of faith. I believe that you are the Lord Jesus, that you died and that you were risen again. And when you make that profession and you believe that in your heart, salvation has now come to you. You have it. You have obtained it. And he is happy to impart that to you. And now, because you are the earnest seeker, you are pleasing to God because of the faith that you have demonstrated by your confession of faith. It's amazing. <laughs> it's just accepting that free gift. When you put it into simple terms, he's holding out this gift, and all we have to do is accept it. Right. The very last verse in our journey of the redemption story is the one that seals the deal here at the very end. It's again out of the book of Revelation in chapter 21, verse 5, where it says, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I like that because as I understand this when I do my word studies, is that I am making everything new. That's active and present, mm -hmm. continuing, ongoing. It's happening right now. It's not just something that we read that was spoken in the past and is waiting for the future. It is all of that. Yes. And it is present. He is making us new right now. Mm -hmm. And he is making our marriage new. And that is part of his plan, too. That's right. But that being made new comes through opening up the door. Yes. And allowing him to come in. Amen. So, Johnny, God has given us this amazing gift. That is the crux of the celebration of Christmas. Yes. Is that gift from God to us. So... What do we do about giving him a gift in return? That's a really good question to ask. I think those of us who have spent any time in church or reading the Bible, we would be very quick to say that there really isn't anything that we can give God. What would we give him? We have heard our senior pastor say it this way, the greatest gift that we can give God is our sin, because this is why he sent Jesus to be born to die for our sins, and then to rise again so that we can have the hope of resurrection, new life, 
that gift is greater than our gifts of worship, praise, prayer, reading the word. Those are all very good disciplines to have. But the gift that he truly wants from us is everything, our everything. And our everything includes our sin. It's hard to imagine that. When we think about when we talk with others and we hear this idea that they feel that they need to clean up or get things right before they come to Jesus, that's the shame and the guilt talking. They want to be better than who they are right now so that they can be right with Jesus beforehand. And Jesus reminds us through a passage we read earlier that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yes. And giving him our sin is exactly why he came. Yes, that's right. And just a reminder that because Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us, we are not alone. And there is hope because what we just read out of Revelation 21 says, I am making all things new. So exciting. Well, Emily, that brings us to the end of our journey through the redemption story, which included the Christmas story. It was really good to read through the passages of Scripture, how much it connects to what you and I talk about through this podcast, Mm -hmm. about recovery and redemption and forgiving and reaching out and opening doors, you know, things like that. And uh, so for me, it feels really good to know that somehow I'm living Scripture out when I make the choice to listen to the voice of God and respond in faith. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. And me too. I really resonate more so now that we've put all these verses together and not just read the Christmas story, but pretty much the whole plan from Genesis to Revelation. Right. It shows me how much he has always seen me, how special I have always been to him. And he has allowed the things in my life to happen in order to bring me closer to him. Yes. I'm so grateful. So what we would like for you guys to do during this week where we celebrate Christmas is to spend some time reflecting on the amount of thought and care that God put into his plan to redeem us after we had chosen our own way. He gave everything. He gave us Jesus. His forgiveness is complete. His grace is unmerited. His mercy is undeserved. So this Christmas, as we consider these amazing gifts God gives us, let's look with fresh eyes at our spouses and allow forgiveness, grace, and mercy to flow freely from our hearts to theirs. So until next time, marriage is redeemed, hearts renewed on Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. And before you go, if this podcast encouraged you and you're feeling some hope for today, please share this show with someone else you know who is going through a similar situation and needs to know that they're not alone. One of the best ways that you can help us reach more people is to leave us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. And as always, we would love to hear from you with questions and comments. Just email us at support at beyondbrokenvows.com. As you walk out this journey one day at a time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.